Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, wherever you are across this globe upon which we live. Uh, This is the Reverend John St. Germain welcoming you once again to the Crystal Silence League Hour. And we seem to have a very strange echo, but who knows what goes on in this uh, Wacky Blog Talk Radio. Tonight we're going to look upon uh, the terror once again. Uh, last week we examined the uh, uh, the fool, and so this week we're going to uh, look at two more. So why don't we um, come back in just about a moment? So come on back in about a minute, and we'll see what's going on.
Well, we're back. After about a week-long hiatus, one thing after another has happened during this Mercury retrograde that we're suffering from. We've had blog talk crashing, and we've had me crashing, and we've had um, um, both crashing at the same time. And so um, between everything, we've had uh, disaster after disaster, not to mention the floods. Now, we don't have floods. We have spring weather. And uh, I don't know about where you live, but we usually have this tantalizing prelude of great weather. So we'll have about two weeks of warm spring weather. All the plants get optimistic and begin to bloom. And then, boom, April 1st, we get a hard freeze and a snow. (laughs) And and everybody always forgets this. Everyone's laying up on their roof getting suntans and running around in uh, shorts and everything and they put all their sweaters up and go yay spring is here they always forget it every year and then along comes our hard freeze in april they call it blackberry winter or strawberry spring something they always name it after a fruit of some sort and then bang that winter hits oh my god god why do you hate us why are we cursed it's the biblical plague of frozen snow every year but it's every year we just have the short term memory here in the south we always do that this is the crystal silence league and we have news we have uh, completed editing the uh, new crystal silence league book which is really just the two old crystal silence league books that we had available in small pamphlets that have been shuffled like a deck of cards the uh, uh, the chapters of each each have been interleaved Um, but more than that we we had uh, one book uh, that's called Crystal Gazing, and the other was uh, Codes and Techniques for the Crystal Silence League. And the Crystal Gazing book was, uh, well, I'll go back. Uh, Claude, Al- Ca- Claude Conlon had put out uh, two books with the same title called Crystal Gazing, and one had 10 chapters and one had three chapters. And the one that we had reproduced, which we could because it was in public domain, was the three-chapter version. And what we did this time was take the 10-chapter version and interleaved it with the uh, codes and lesson Silence League and added uh, profuse illustrations from the uh, uh, golden age around the 20s, 1920s, of uh, various uh, people gazing in crystals and uh, published it. And that will be available uh, very soon. And, of course, if you go to the Hoodoo Festival, you'll get a free bit. Everyone attending the Hoodoo Heritage Festival in May, um, May 13th and 14th, will get a free copy of it, which you have to admit is a very, very good deal. So um, you should come. You actually get, I think, five free books if you attend which in and of itself is, it's all workshops that we're teaching. We're teaching well, we're teaching something like 10 workshops, 10 or 11. And every one of those you get free something or other. <clears throat> in some of them you'll get handouts and pamphlets, and in some of them you'll get books that we're publishing this year. Uh, $50 value right there. And you get other things too, handouts and pamphlets and all sorts of stuff. Um, not to mention the red folder, which is, a collection of all the handouts that have been given out at the Hoodoo Heritage Festivals since the black folder 
which is all the handouts that have been given out up to that time. So if you have the black folder and the red folder, you're caught up to handouts that have been given out at the Hoodoo Heritage Festivals, which is cool. So if you have the books and the handouts, oh man, do you have a Hoodoo Library? Well, our crystal tonight is pink mangalow calcite. And um, if you've ever seen you know, calcite, it's a beautiful thing. Hard is granite. Um, and um, it's a um, um, not, not an inexpensive stone, but not an expensive one, kind of mid-range. And it looks like... Um, peppermint candy really it's a pink striated with darker pink and some white and it looks like that hard candy that your grandma had in the in the uh, dish on her table in the living room you know the stuff that humidity caused to weld into a rock hard form you picked one piece up and the entire dish came with it and it's about as hard as that stuff too if you bit into it it cracked your teeth and uh, this is a um a wonderful stone because the dark pink and the light pink and the white tends to um, fuse uh, all your chakras from your head to your toe. And because of this, it will ground you and it will activate you and it will create a, a chaining effect. So it's um, uh, very good to uh, boost Everything, it grounds you. It helps boost your self-confidence. It helps elevate your self-esteem. It helps uh, release and uh, soothe uh, emotional trauma. So it's very good if you've had uh, a breakup or uh, you've lost a job or you've had some kind of change in your life that has uh, unrooted you. So um, if you if you've had something in your life you to shut down emotionally. This can help you uh, open up again. The um, Sometimes if you're just uh, stagnated, you're just not moving forward with anything, this can help uh, open you up and uh, get you rolling again. Um, so it's used a lot by healers. Um, you know, people come and say, I just don't know what's wrong with me because, you know, you're shut down. You can't express it. The healer can start with this open you up and go, oh, okay, I'm having some insights here. And then it can get people talking again. So uh, uh, pink mangano calcite's a good one to have. And of course, you can make elixirs of it. And uh, I don't make direct elixirs of pop stones into water anymore. Um, but you can with this. It's very hard. It's a, right? So, you know, calcite will let you know it's very hard. Um, so you can drop it directly in your elixir and let it set in the sun or the moon for a, a period of time and then remove it and add a few drops of brandy to your elixir. I prefer the indirect method for my elixirs these days. Um, you just don't want pieces of rock floating around in your water and you don't know what the effects are if you drink it. So, Especially the things that uh, have copper in them. You don't want to have copper uh, absorbed in your water so um, I will put these, uh, my elixirs, these days the way I make them is I use wine bottles that have the um, indent in the bottom of the foot. And I'll put the rock itself on a plate, put the wine bottle over it, put the fluid in the water, 
uncork it and let it sit overnight and then uh, add the uh, brandy and then decant the liquid into little vials uh, I can use when I need them and that's that's a pink mangano calcite you can see a picture of it on our slideshow and uh, uh, these these are interesting rocks they uh, if you hold them up to the light they have that shimmering effect because they uh, the fibers uh, go into one direction and so they're very interesting the Crystal Silence League was founded around 1917 to 1919 by uh, Mr. Claude Alexander Conlon, who retired from the stage, to a private reader, and to uh, celebrities, mind you, and for ordinary people, and to answer prayers of people from all over the world. And he formed a network of people who concentrated on calls, and every morning he would get up and... Uh, very likely after he had his breakfast and his morning coffee, he would go out um, to the sunrise and concentrate on his crystal ball and send out waves of healing energy to everyone who concentrated on their crystal ball. And the idea of the Crystal Silence League is that everyone gets up and sends healing waves into the uh, sunrise, and at night they send it into the sunset. And as the sun travels around the earth, people would send this energy around the globe. Well, in about 2009, the uh, Missionary Independent Spiritual Church, which is now the Association of Independent Spiritual Churches, um, brought it back to life on the Internet. Because in 1954, when uh, Mr. Conlon passed away, of course, the Crystal Silence League went with him. And so we brought it back to life in the... Uh, um, cybernetic world, which is the sort of thing we do. Um, and you can go to the prayer page if you're so inclined and um, um, at www.crystalsilenceleague.org and um, you'll see that we have prayers there every week and that people post about 200 prayers a week there. And you can put your prayer there and even some of these prayers we actually read aloud on the air. And uh, I will do that right now. And if you like, you can pray along with us, with or without your crystal ball. And we'll start with prayer ID number 81569, who says, Lord, I'm so sad today. I haven't had a hug, comfort, or romantic love from another in a while. My reserves are low. Please send me a romantic someone who is very caring and loving. Amen. And we have prayer ID 81568, who says, I'm asking for prayer to help find my debit card. My current one expires this month, and although my bank sent me a new one, I've misplaced it. Please pray that I find it. All my bills and accounts are tied to this one card. Amen. And prayer ID 81567 says, I take my sister BB to the doctor tomorrow. Pray everything goes good and smooth and quick. Thanks in advance. Amen. And that truly is tomorrow. This prayer was sent today. Prayer ID 81566. Recently, I was accused of falling asleep on the job. I got an administrative paperwork for it. I wrote a response giving every details of truth and proving that I was not asleep at all. Instead, I got more administrative paperwork because I made false official statement in my response. Some during the investigation process, making me look like the bad guy. 
I hope the real liars get what they deserve, a nice cold can of karma whoop-ass. Let's all pray together for my name being cleared. Amen. Prayer ID 81565. Need prayer for a peace of mind and trust everything will be okay. May that be may that be so. Amen, amen. Prayer ID 81564, who says, I deserve a financial miracle this week. I deserve a better life. I deserve to live in a better home. I've done all the right things in life. I served four years in the Army, used my GI Bill to attend a university. Amen. Thank you for your service. And I hope you get taken care of. Prayer ID 81563. Everyone has taken advantage of me, and I'm very hurt. Please pray for my health, wealth, and happiness. Amen. And bet that we will. Prayer ID 81562. Universal Creator, Guides, Guardians, Angels, Saints, Ancestors, Marie Laveau, Maman Brigitte, Baron Samadhi, Papa Legba, Lilith, King Paimon, Archangel Michael, St. Teresa Oya, and Prince of Hollows. I am on my knees, shackled. I'm blind, binded. He comes, stays briefly, then leaves. Again to run. I'm tired. Disparity and negative energy seems to be the only thing I can manifest. I beg you with all my heart for forgiveness of foolishness, but I only, but I only that a fool... Please help return my love back to me. Amen. Prayer ID 81561. For the past six years, my financial situation has been very unstable. The only jobs I have been able to get is short term. I'm in debt and really need a good job with benefits and a relocation package. My goal is to get a leadership position in California that will help with relocation. Thank you so much for your prayers. Amen. Prayer ID 81559. I pray that D will realize that his crush of her is nothing and realize that he actually likes me and asks me to be his girlfriend. Amen. Prayer ID 81558. Please pray for my very close friend M. I'm believing that God will heal his broken heart and spirit and draw him close. His depression and self-worth will rise, and he will see his value and worth in God's eyes. I'm believing for full emotional and spiritual healing in Jesus' name. Amen. Prayer ID 81557. Who prays? I came into this world on Christmas Day, 1952. I was horrendously premature and spent the first six weeks of my life in an incubator. In 52... They were afraid of germs, and so my mom wasn't allowed to hold me. Last summer, when I thought I was happily married of 26 years, our marriage disintegrated at my much younger wife's request. I fear I will one day leave this world in a manner similar to how I came into it, alone and isolated. Please pray for love. Amen. Prayer ID 81556. I'm going on the 14th day of dreaming about my ex. My dreams are sometimes precognitive, sometimes meshed with other lifetimes. Em and I were deeply psychically connected, so I'm not sure if he's trying to communicate with me. 
If he is trying to reach me, dear Lord, and it is your will, swiftly remove S from his life, bring an opportunity for him to communicate with me, and return to me as a matured man. Thank you for your prayers. Let's have one more. Prayer ID 81555. Please keep A away from the one I love. Go away, A. Go away. You don't belong here. Be gone and never return. Amen. Well, let's have a moment of silent meditation and prayer for all those in need of comfort and affirmation. Help. Amen. Well, we're talking about the tarot and um, some of the legends and stories behind it, and we discussed the uh, the fool, Trump Zero, last time, and uh, some of its uh, very interesting associations. So we're going to move to uh, Trump One, the magician, and uh, some of its... Uh, Oh, man, we could talk a long time about the magician, can't we? And, and so we, uh, what we know is that the, uh, the magician emerges uh, or almost transforms from the fool into the fool being uh, the psychic, the trickster, the person who uh, um, voluntarily uh, – distances himself from society in search of the spiritual, the enlightenment. The fool is often the jester in literature. And uh, the magician often emerges as a more advanced form of this, doesn't he? Um, The trickster wizard. Um, Because Merlin, uh, the magician, and literature in King Arthur's literature and Merlin in his many incarnations, uh, Gandalf even both roles. Um, Merlin, Gandalf, a trickster, 
a magician, a teacher, the wise man, uh, and many, many myths. Um, you have difficulty putting this particular person into one category. Amorphous, they're shapeshifters. Um, if you look at the Rider Waite deck, we see the magician as a sorcerer, the uh, Harry Potter type of magician. But if you go into an earlier deck, like the Tower of Marseille, the magician is Le Battleur, the conjurer, the David Copperfield, David Blaine type of magician. Not a sorcerer at all, but a conjurer, a trickster. The magician that pulls the quarter out of your ear, saw, you know, saws a woman in half, pulls a rabbit out of a hat. No magical power at all, but an illusionist. So even in the history of the tarot, we see a transformation from a magician of the illusionist type, the David Blaine type, to the uh, Harry Potter, Dumbledore sorcerer type who wields real power. But even those magicians are tricksters, aren't they? Don't we see uh, in fairy tales the magician is trickster as well, tricking the students? Um, so there, even in even in that incarnation, there's a there's a, a line you never know with the magician what exactly is going on. Um, what we find though is that that magician as conjurer was left behind. Most modern decks follow the the Rider Waite Smith tradition of the magician as sorcerer as wizard. Uh, raising a magic wand to bring into reality a spiritual force. And he's holding this wand, as we see, um, in a ritualistic um, The fool holds his wand over his shoulder very casually, carrying his baggage. This magician is more mature. He's, he's perfected his techniques. Like the skillful conjurer, he's practiced. So this magician, Trump number one, at the very beginning of the cycle, represents consciousness. He represents action. He represents the act of creation. He represents skill that's acquired by practice. He's got this idea of manifestation, obviously, bringing into existence something that didn't occur before, turning thought and idea into reality, which is why in the Rider Waite deck we see all the symbols of the other um, the uh, arcana. We see pentacle, we see the cup, we see the sword, and we see the wand laying on the table. He's master of all the elements. So he doesn't only use the uh, spiritual forces he also commands the physical world as well. And this is why I believe that uh, Waite and Smith use these materials. These are all materials, sorcerers, their rituals, the, the cup, the, you know, the goblet, the chalice, the pentacle, the sword, and the wand. These are all magical ritual objects. And they're introduced right here at the very beginning in Trump number one. And the magician creates the world in the sense of giving 
the world meaning. The magician defines meaning. So here's the magician at the bottom of his feet. He's surrounded by flowers. Flowers are growing above. Flowers are growing below, showing that life itself is the act of creation and that our lives have to be grounded. There's flowers and flowers below. And to get any value of life, we have to understand that. That, yes, it's good to have ideas, and yes, it's good to have goals, and yes, we have potential, but unless we bring that potential into this world and let it flower, those potentials aren't real. They don't really exist, right? And... If the, if the fool is the very first, if the tarot is an alphabet, 22 letters, the major arcane is 22 letters, the fool would be A, Aleph. The magician is B, Beth. And Beth is the very first letter of Genesis. And in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and here's the magician doing that very thing. The, the fool is trump zero, the void, nothing. The magician is the very first quantity, number one, the very first real quantity. The magician, Beth, the beginning. Beth is the first letter with an actual sound. Beth. Beta. Aleph bears no real sound. It's a it's a silent carrier of vowels. It symbolizes nothingness in the Kabbalah alpha, Kabbalistic alphabet. It's the first letter of the Ten Commandments, by the way, interestingly enough. And if we look at this picture of the magician, he's not casting spells, by the way. This is something that you really have to understand about this. He's not casting spells. He's not raising spirits. He's just standing there in the moment before creation with one hand raised up to heaven and the other pointed, pointing to the earth. He is a lightning rod. And he's opening, him up, he's opening himself up. He's a channel for the creative force. He is a channel for spirit. And... If you read holy books, the Bible, um, Quran, Talmud, we always hear about prophets and psychics being channels, being conduits. We read about the spirit descending from heaven into earth. The priest giving communion sees himself as a vessel or a channel for the Holy Ghost. And we can see this experience Every day, this energy, this spiritual energy, when when people are so filled with enthusiasm, they're trembling with energy. When we see ourselves filled with enthusiasm, with an idea, with a creative force, when we can't sit still, when we're in love, we feel a power filling us when we're in a group of people united in a common cause. Even a, even a 
sporting events. Go, 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 go. Um, at uh, some important juncture in your life, when you when you feel that sense of urgency building, when you know that something wonderful is about to happen, um, the peak moment, the peak experience, when your work is going really well. The word inspiration, spirit. The word inspiration means filled with the breath of God. And the word inspiration comes from the same word as spirit. And in all these examples, there's a type of frenzy. Sometimes it's a very controlled and muted frenzy, and sometimes it's an ecstatic, wild frenzy. So the same type of religious ecstasy experienced by the religious mystic and who's in a creative frenzy and the teenager about to burst in with love for his beloved are all the same when you're filled with a power too great for the body to hold it. It's all the same. And this is not a gentle energy, if you've ever felt it, and and you have, everybody has. Not a gentle energy, it's painful. It's more than the body can bear. It's energy, and it must be expressed. It must be expressed. The person seized by creative uh, ecstasy must get it out. This person, right, must draw, must speak, must manifest. Uh, the religious person must shout out, hallelujah, and the person in love must express it to the beloved. The person at the sporting event must shout out, go, go, go. It must be expressed. This life force that fills the entire universe is not gentle. It is not gentle. It must be discharged. This is what the magician is showing us. The spiritual energy from above must be grounded. It must be manifest. Look at the magician from the Rider Waite deck. Those flowers are bursting. They're about to burst out of the frame of the card. So the artist doesn't join in this shouting physical frenzy that you see in Pentecostal churches or at football games because that artist is discharging that phlogiston, <laughs> that that energy into the painting or into the book, into the writing. And the priest in church passes that spiritual energy, that lightning, into the wine and into the communion, the laying on of hands. Human beings are, are energy, uh, energy beings. We are energy. We we store energy, we transmit energy, we transform energy. And even Freud recognized this. If you read books on basic psych, psychotherapy, um, Freud says that if this energy is not discharged, it turns inward and makes us sick. This is where anger and depression and anxiety comes from. We are uh, Energy units, human beings are energy units, and we store it. We transmit, we create, we uh, transmit, transform energy. We're like crystals. 
and energy that is not transmitted in a healthy manner gets warped and transmitted and transmuted in an unhealthy manner. And this is where depression, anxiety, uh, you can uh, uh, energy from the id, the uh, the part of us that is nothing but need. That's the part of us that wants need, desire, um, that is not expressed in a healthy manner. That's suppressed on itself and becomes an unhealthy expression. It's not a gentle force at all. It is a it is a frenzy. It's a fire. Unless we follow this rule of nature, that energy that is uh, built up within us must be discharged. We become ill, we must create or we die. We must be active or we die. Now, creation doesn't simply, doesn't always mean art, right? But it means that we have to, we have to produce something real, manifested outside of ourselves. We cannot live a strictly internal life unless we live the life of a mystic. And that's where we go to the next card in just a few minutes, or sometime the high priestess. So most people, though, don't experience the uh, reality of being powerful, of having real power, like the magician shows, having power explode from them. Most people don't experience this. The the act of creation is so powerful that it affects reality strongly. Most people do not um, experience this. Um, and um, so by doing so, we we tend to hold on to our power. Um, we, we have these little moments of power, so we hold on to it. We, we hoard it. We hoard our power. And... So we don't do anything. We we do nothing for long periods of time until we have such moments where we can manifest our power. But you you can't really hold on to power. The only way you can hold on to power is by using it. It's a paradox. The only it's like love. The only way you can have love is by giving it away, right? So power is the same way. By releasing creative power, we open up the circuit and more power can flow through us. The the power must flow. If you hold on to it, you block the channel and uh, that sense of power withers because that power is life itself. So if you block the expression of life, you're going to wither and die. So this is why when... um, people who do not express themselves joyously and creatively burned out on the job. They lose their passion, their work. The creative juices are blocked. You experience burnout and block. It's not being expressed. So we look at the card of the magician. 
we're feeling this flatness, this stuck feeling, this boredom, this ennui. And we're, we notice that wand raised toward heaven. And we think, well, that's where the inspiration is. But, that, but the real magic, isn't it, is that finger pointing to the earth. Because it's that ability to manifest, to make it real, that gives him the title of magician. Anybody can ask of heaven. Anybody can ask of heaven. But how many people can bring it to the world and make it real? Because the magician's real power not only comes from not only the trickster, conjurer image from the past, but also from the archetypal hero that Joseph Campbell spoke of, right? And in in that role, he was Prometheus. He brought he brought fire down to humanity, who up to that time was shivering in the cave at the mercy of the elements. He gave fire to mankind, and at that point, civilization was born. So in the West, though, we see magicians as uh, tricksters, as manipulators. So um, in Western mythology, uh, magicians make deals with devils, and uh, they learn secret techniques that we don't know, right? Um, Now, this image comes a lot from the magicians themselves, right, Uh, uh, who uh, in Western fairy tales, they – they have uh, secret caves with treasure in it and uh, treasures buried under trees. And uh, remember, um, open and the cave opens and there's uh, lamps that you rub, towers with princesses in them being trapped by magicians. But also, we, we have to lay some blame to the church. The church portrayed magicians and wizards and witches um, as competitors, the church didn't like it that magicians dealt directly with. The church says, "No, no, no, we, no, we ha- we we're the one that deal with spirit. You don't get to do it." So, when um, you bring out your tarot cards of divination, um, the church saw this as a revolution against their uh, their lock on spirit. Uh, most occult sciences teach direct salvation. You know, you don't you don't need a man for salvation. You can find salvation on your own. So, another aspect of the magician is of the shaman or the medicine man, right? There's no hierarchical church um, in uh, cultures with the shaman. You don't have uh, a hierarchical church. In uh, shamanic communities, the um, shaman, shamans are healers and teachers, and they teach the community about the afterlife. Furthermore, they teach the souls after death in many cultures. They, they continue to train you after you die. So the, uh, <clears throat> just like the wizards, uh, the shamans will study and learn very complicated techniques. Um, have their own vocabulary 
Um, and in shamanic societies, traditionally, uh, none of this training is used to manipulate people or for personal gain. The shaman usually seeks to become um, a proper channel for his techniques so he won't be um, overwhelmed by his own connection to spirit. And usually he wants to become uh, a service to the community. And the shaman and the medicine man also knows that when spirit is channeled through him, he can be destroyed by it. So he has to learn the techniques necessary to protect himself as he becomes a conduit for this amazing and powerful spiritual energy. So the shaman has developed his will and his power to the point where he can direct this power spirit that fills him. But at the same time, he remains open and empty, allowing his own ego to step out of the way and allowing spirit to control him. So it says something about our culture that our wizards stand inside magic circles to make sure the demons can't touch them. So let's look at station identification for a minute and come back and look at a couple of stories about magicians and see if we cannot get a, a grasp on what they mean. The LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include the Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rootwork Hour with Catherine Ironwood and Condrum and Ollie, Sundays 3 to 4.30, the Crystal Silence League Hour with John St. Germain, Tuesdays 5 to 6, Blue Flag Root Radio with Lady Muse, Fridays 4 to 5, and the Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Phoenix LeFay, Fridays 6 to 7, all time specific, Add three hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. There was a story that really stuck since I was a small child, and it took me a while to find it, but... It is a Hans Christian Andersen book called The Tinderbox, um, based on a Scandinavian folktale called The Spirit and the Candle. And uh, The Tinderbox, I'll, I'll give you a synopsis of it. It haunted me because of the imagery in it. And it's a classic story about a magician. And in this story, the magician is a witch. And uh, as the story opens with a, a a penniless soldier returning home from a war. He's been devastated. He's lost everything. And as it happened in those days, uh, they they grabbed up poor people and sent them off to war and then said, well, you're done. You know, here's a few pennies. Go back home. So he's returning home from war, and he meets a witch. And this witch says, young man, will you climb down this hollow tree and retrieve a magic tinderbox for me? And... The witch gives the man permission to take anything he finds inside the chambers of this hollow tree. This must have been a very big tree, and I think it, it, it goes underground. There are steps that goes underground into a cave. But he must return the tinderbox to her. So in the tree, three chambers filled with precious coins, 
guarded by these three giant dogs. One of these dogs had eyes the size of teacups, who guards a vault filled with pennies. And one had eyes the size of wolves, who guards a vault filled with silver. And the third dog had eyes the size of round towers, who guards the vault filled with gold. So the soldier uh, somehow or other circumvents these giant dogs, who obviously are hellhounds, right? And he fills his pockets with money, and he finds the tinderbox and returns to the witch. So when she demands the tinderbox without giving a reason, the soldier lops off her head with his sword, which strikes me as a little ungrateful. So in the next chapter, the soldier enters a large city and buys himself a nice suit of clothes, and he lives in a magnificent and he makes a lot of friends. And he learns that there's a princess who's imprisoned in a tower after a prophecy foretold her marriage to a common soldier. This, as you might imagine, makes him very interested. And he wants to see her, but he realizes his whim cannot be satisfied. Eventually, his money is depleted because, you know, growing up poor didn't, pre- didn't prepare him for how to manage his money, right? throwing it around and drinking and partying, buying nice clothes. So he's forced to live in a dark attic, and he starts a tinderbox to light the room, and one of the dogs appears before him. So he discovers that any time he strikes a match, he can summon all the dogs, and he orders them to bring him money from their uh, subterranean chambers, right? So again, he lives very splendidly. He's not learned his lesson that you should invest this money, not spend it. Make your dollars work for you. So one night, he remembers the story of the princess in the tower again, and he desires to see her. He strikes the tinderbox and sends the dog with eyes the size of teacups to bring her to his apartment. And the soldier is overwhelmed with her beauty, and he kisses her and orders the dogs to return her to the tower. The following morning, this princess tells her parents she's had a strange dream and relates the night's adventure. Now, you see what's happening at this point is the soldier is becoming a magician himself. He's commanding magical creatures and magical objects. He's he's learning his skills. The royal couple then watch her closely, and when the princess is carried away again, they unsuccessfully use a trail of flour and chalk marks on neighborhood doors to find where she spends her nights. And eventually her whereabouts are discovered and the soldiers clapped in prison and sentenced to death. Unfortunately, when he was arrested, he left his magical tinderbox behind so he can't summon help. On the day of execution, the soldier sends a boy for his tinderbox and at the scaffold with the noose around his neck, he has to have one last... He then strikes the tinderbox Three monstrous dogs appear. They toss the judge and the counselors, the king and queen, into the air. All fall to the earth to their death. The soldier and the princess are united and married, and the dogs join the wedding feast. (laughs) The Hans Christian Andersen versions of these fairy tales are nothing like the Disney fairy tales. So... um, so, um, oh my goodness, um, uh, very gruesome, but you'll notice how at the beginning of the story, 
basically his uh, mentor who taught him um, the magical skills, and he becomes a magician himself. This is one of the tales of uh, of magic. So what what do we learn from the magician? Um, well, quite a bit actually. Um, we we have to learn from both hands of the magician, and this is one of the divinatory meanings actually. One hand receives power, and the other one directs the power. Right. So. So first of all, the card itself is an awareness of power, that there's power available to all of us. So this card, first of all, means that you have power. There's there's spirit, there's excitement, there's creative power available to you at this moment. There are resources available to all of us. There's magic. And it can also mean else's power might be affecting you. Someone is exerting power over you. It can mean that there's inspiration to be drawn upon. It's the archetypal type of power, too. It's the, the raw creative force. It may not mean that it's directed yet, but it's there. And it also means willpower. Traditionally, this means willpower. It means having this great strength because all of your energy can be directed in a direction, in one direction. Energy scattered is energy wasted. People who get what they want in life seem to be just people who simply know very clearly what they want and they can direct their energy toward that goal. So the magician really teaches us that both willpower and success derive from being conscious of power and how to focus it. Most people, and this is true, I've noticed this to be one of the laws of the universe, most people rarely act on their desires and their wishes. Instead, most people react something happens to them and they react to it and they just kind of drift around from one experience to the pinball. But when you act, you're directing your will and you decide where you're going to go and you go and you're, you're the master of your fate at that point. Now in the divinatory meaning of the magician is reversed. It means that, uh, in some way, the natural flow of your life is being blocked. Our natural existence is healthy, happy, fortunate, prosperous. Things are going our way. If the magician is reversed, that means something's not right. You're you're not in your natural flow. You're not happy. You're not prosperous. You're not uh, fortunate. You're not uh, – or, or you're not able to direct your energy. And it's time to take a good look at why. Why is your why is your being blocked? It can mean a lack of will, confusion, scatterness. The power's there, but you can't get to it. And sometimes there can just be apathy. Just you, there's depression, there's apathy. You just can't summon the will to do this. 
um, if it's external, it could be that somebody's uh, using power on you in a wrong way. Uh, abu- there's abuse. Now, there's an interesting uh, aspect to the magician, too, and that's the idea of initiation. Sometimes the magician tells us that it's time for us to be initiated because one of the things about magic is that um, you have to be initiated. Maybe it's time to find someone to teach you what you need to know. And I want to go back also to the to the original meaning of the magician. If you go back to the uh, like the Tarot of Marseille, where the magician is doing magic tricks, go back to that meaning too. Even if you're reading with a Rider Waite deck or a modern deck, and it's the Conjurer, sometimes there's the echo of that magician's grandfather, the guy that used to go around pulling quarters out of people's ears and putting red balls under cups and making them jump around or making eggs appear in bags. That guy, his grandfather is there too. And this is the illusionist. This is the guy that puts the girl in the box and saws her in half, puts the coin in his hand and make it disappear. And when you see that, it's, it's marvelous. It's wonderful. Someone who's really good at that. It's really, really marvelous. But you know, intellectually, the coin doesn't disappear. It's hidden somewhere. You know, intellectually, the woman's not sawed in half. It's an illusion. So when that meaning comes up, you know that something's not what it seems. The situation is misrepresented, that it's an illusion, that what it looks like is... And you have to look behind the scene and get information. And I'll tell you from experience that I know this that when people try to figure out a magician's trick, they always get it wrong. They they say, oh, I know how it's done. It's done like this. And it's like, no, no, it's wrong. They come up with a very simple solution that's always wrong. And I, I have a word for that. I call it Occam's butter knife. It's a dull solution. And if you want to know how a magician does his tricks, you have to study magic, at which point you become a magician yourself. And in a situation where things are not what it seems – you have to study the other side and become and think like they think, at which point you become one of them, and you have to decide for yourself, is that worth it? Is it worth it? So there's a question of initiation. The other side, you have to study them and become one of them. You can't figure it out on your own. You don't think like they do. So logic doesn't help you in that situation. Initiation does. And that's the other lesson of the magician, the old now you see it now you don't you have to go behind to learn and that's the toughest lesson of all of the magician you have to become one of them to know how to do it you want to make a coin disappear you can't figure it out on your own you have to learn how to do it from a master well we're out of time and we'll see you next week god willing and blog talk working bye bye
It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.